Welcome to the Grit to Greatness podcast. Thanks for tuning in and making your choice to win. This is the show where we not only motivate and inspire, we give you tactical strategies to implement on your way to greatness. And now, here's your host, Chuck Farmer. Welcome, listeners, to Grit to Greatness. It's been a while since I've been with you. Very excited to be back. I actually took a vacation in Destin, Florida, and I'm back and ready to rock and roll, energized. But you know how it is when you get back on vacation. It's like, wow, I've got so much to do. But I was excited that this was on my to-do list to get to do an episode with Ashley Shaw. She's a good friend. She's a wife, mother. She's the market director of Florida East of Aflac. She tells me she's a yogi, hot yoga, and definitely a great leader that I truly look up to and have as a mentor that I'd love to call anytime I have any questions about leadership. She does a great job. So welcome, Ashley Shaw. Good to have you. Yeah, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we appreciate you being here. I'm talking about being on vacation. Ashley basically gets to be on vacation every day. She lives down there in Florida, um, really enjoys it, works down there. So she's got it made. I live in paradise, not necessarily on vacation every day, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, we're excited to be back, ladies and gentlemen. We've got a great topic today. We're going to talk about servant leadership. And that's going to take us in, in several different directions, which I'm truly excited about. But I'm going to make sure we get started quickly, give her plenty of time to share. Like I said, she's got a wealth of information. So the first thing we're going to talk a little bit about is service, servant leadership and how there is a difference between leadership and managing and that it's a privilege to be a leader. So uh, take that from there, Ashton. Tell us about your thoughts in that area. Yeah, well, I guess I'll start with telling you a little bit about my journey. I have, I've been with Aflac for 12 years, and I got into leadership after two years with the company. And um, servant leadership was something that I had to learn. It wasn't something that necessarily came naturally to me. Leadership alone wasn't something that, that came naturally to me. So when I first got into leadership, I, I took the management route. And, you know, I was leading 1099s like they were W-2, which I will tell you from experience is not effective. <laughs> so I had to learn some things the hard way, which I don't regret. I know that we all have our journey um, and everything happens, you know, for a reason. But I, I took the route of, you know, almost like carrot and stick and um, not necessarily leading with my heart or being other centered. And one of a story I share often with leaders that I pour into and develop to become better leaders is, you know, especially if people feel like they're not adequate or they don't have what it takes. I'm not a natural born leader. It's like, Hey, listen, I, I'm not either. I wasn't a natural leader when I first got into um, leadership, when I was a new uh, DSC with AFLAC, a district sales coordinator, I remember a time where, you know, I told people, I told my team, like either, we're all going to make money or I'm going to make money, but I'm going to make money either way. <laughs> Just don't say that. Okay. So leading people, um, I would lead out of frustration or I would get so upset about things I could not control and uh, really focus on what I was going to accomplish myself versus what I can help others achieve for themselves. So one of the pivotal moments in my leadership career was I had somebody recommend the book, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And that really changed my entire perspective. That book alone, um, that's probably what started my journey of 
trying to learn more and more. I was all of a sudden craving it. Like, what else can I learn about how to be a more effective leader? Um, because titles don't like getting a district sales coordinator title or a regional sales coordinator or a market director title, like no one cares about that, especially when you're leading 1099s. Like that doesn't just automatically get you followership. What gets you followership is serving the people that you have the privilege to lead, you know? So it's bringing value to them, rolling up your sleeves and going to work with them and for them to help them win and ultimately become the best versions of themselves. As cliche as that sounds, I truly believe that, you know, we're called to lead people to impact them both personally and professionally. I love that. Already a bunch of nuggets in there that I love. You've already given us something what not to do, but you've also (laughs) given us a great book. You just said basically that the book 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership basically changed your whole mindset and has a lot to do with the leader that you are today. Is that correct? That's correct. So it sounds like we need to make sure that all our listeners that are leaders or that want to be leaders, and to be honest, we can talk about that everybody's a leader in some way, get that book and read it, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Is that John Maxwell? It is, yes. Yeah, John Maxwell. So um, I'm definitely going to put that in the notes for the podcast. So listeners, uh, sounds like a book that we need to put on our list for our library. All right, so take that to the next level. You kind of talked about how titles don't matter, um, but also talk about how you mentioned that how you conduct yourself personally has a lot to do with you as a leader as well. Yeah, I think this is something people miss or are not always um, taught that, you know, how you live your life personally and professionally matters as a leader. I think sometimes people will try to be like, oh, well, that's, this is my personal life. And then this is my professional life. I'll conduct myself, you know, in this way personally, but um, I will not professionally, or they'll just segment it a little too much. And I I think it's important as a leader to reflect on, do your values, you know, are your values, your habits, your routines, um, or is it something people aspire to adopt? Or is it at least bare minimum, something that they respect? And, you know, do you have routines in the morning that are you committed to being a better person? a better leader, a better salesperson, a better parent or spouse, if you're constantly seeking self-improvement, um, if you exhibit discipline, consistency, you know, you're just really craving to be your very best, avoiding mediocrity, right? Do you um, address every day with excellence? Like I'm going to be my very best today. Cause I just believe that in leadership, you know, you can't, you can't settle for mediocrity in anything. I don't think any of us were called to be mediocre. Like we just can't wake up in the morning and be like, meh, I just, average is fine. You know, <laughs> we're, we're called uh, to, to be our very best to serve others and to strive for excellence. So as a leader, you know, you can't be half in, half out or inconsistent or unreliable or walk around with a bad attitude all the time, right? You got to step up as a leader personally and professionally. So it's how you show up every single day because the people you lead are a reflection of you, a reflection of your commitment, your enthusiasm, your work ethic, your consistency, all of it. Exactly right. I love that. A couple of things. First of all, as Christians, we should absolutely understand that God does not want us to be mediocre. You know, imagine, you know, we forget sometimes how much he loves us and what he made us for. And we don't want to lose out on what he had in store for us. I mean, how... Terrell would be to get to heaven and friend of Bill say, I had all this in store, but you settled 
for mediocrity. He doesn't want us to settle for mediocrity in any, any stretch of the imagination. Right. And then, well, and Jesus, Jesus is a perfect example too of leadership, right? And how titles don't matter. Jesus didn't demand followership because he's the Messiah, right? It was an invitation to go on a journey with him. Like right. this, and that's the same thing holds true in leadership, especially with leading 1099 salespeople. It's like true followership is going to come from inviting people on a journey and then rolling up your sleeves and going to work for them and with them. I love that. You know, and one of the thoughts that's coming to my mind that I've seen on LinkedIn, I've read it in books, I've heard it in podcasts, is that people don't leave companies, they leave leaders or they leave right. their boss. And mm-hmm. I think that is so true. They can work for a great company with a great name and maybe overall a great working conditions, except for maybe their direct boss and how they're treated and how they act. And maybe they don't act the same way personally and professionally. I truly believe that's true. You feel like that's a, that's yeah. a true statement? Absolutely. And that actually makes me think of one of the um, key takeaways from the book, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, is that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that probably, um, you know, it hit me like a ton of bricks because that was something I would just struggle with. Like, I don't understand why they're not listening to me. Like I have done this. I've had success with this. Like I, you've seen what X, Y, and Z, like it's, it's crystal clear, but I didn't care about them. I wasn't showing that I cared. Um, it was almost like everything that I was leading was to get something uh, for me or for the team or to hit a number. It was not necessarily with my heart. And that was when it really clicked for me. Like, no, no one cares what you know until they know that you care. Uh, another book that really um, was enlightening for me based on what you had just said as well is Lead for God's Sake. Um, it's a great book, but wow. the title is Lead dot, dot, dot for God's Sake. So you can read it two different ways. It's actually about a basketball coach. Um, and essentially he was leading in a way in which it's like, Hey, I'm going to be tough and all about results. And, um, but you know, none of his players thought that he cared about them. And then he kind of, I mean, I don't want to spoil the book for you. It's a great book. I would definitely recommend it. (laughs) I love it. I'm I'm a big book reader slash listener. Um, yes. travel and different things. And that's, I've never heard of that one. I'm going to get that one as soon as I hang up from here. Hopefully it's on book and audio. I can listen to that as I travel this week. So um, that's great stuff. And I, it's so true. I mean, it's so vital. Again, as I said earlier, we all lead in some way. We're all looked up to by other people and there's opportunities to, for us to lead. And if we're, if we're faithful in small things, as the Bible says, God will give us other opportunities down the road as well. And for those mm-hmm. of us that have opportunities now, we truly want to take advantage of that. That's right. And I'm so big on what you talked about as well. Again, going back to the mediocrity part. It's so easy for us to get level and to be comfortable and to not push anymore. And whether that be physically to get to a certain level where we're in good shape, you know, um, mm-hmm. we're not sick. We're, we're not, you know, too out of shape. Um, whether it be at work, we're doing well. You know, particularly maybe if we've done well for a few years to kind of level off in our personal lives, our relationships, our relationship with God. And I think it's so important to have that uh, desire to not just settle for mediocrity. And you talked about morning routines. Can you talk about that a little bit more? I've really been into that recently as well. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that um, when we talk about, I mean, a lot of these things we've actually been talking about, whether it's having big, scary goals, avoiding mediocrity, um, dealing with setbacks and, and rejection and, um, you know, fires you have to put out at work or just all these things that can be thrown at you. Having a morning routine that gets your mindset in the right place is crucial. I mean, when I say it is crucial, it is everything, right? Making sure that you are taking time for yourself. Uh, for me personally, I make sure that, you know, every morning I have time for um, reading my Bible, prayer, worship, positive affirmations every single day, saying out loud, you know, uh, being intentional about my positive self-talk. And that's something that I've been you know, leading people to do for years, you know, I would do at Monday morning meetings as a region, I would ask people, you know, raise your hand if you did your positive affirmations this morning, <laughs> you know, just making sure we're forming habits of being intentional around our mindset um, is so important to get you in the right headspace to be able to fill up your cup as a leader so that you can then pour into others. But we can't lead people from depletion right? If we are just running on fumes, we're waking up, you know, last minute, I got to hurry and rush out the door. And, you know, I, then my kids are up and I've got to do all these, you have to have quiet time in the morning. Uh, and that's, at least that's what works for me. I'm a huge fan of having that morning routine to get in the right headspace. Um, there could be some people that maybe they, they meditate at lunch break or different times of the day. But for me in particular, a positive uh, morning routine that I'm consistent with, has been um, extremely beneficial. Yeah, and again, there's lots of books, podcasts about this topic, and uh, most everybody talks about. Obviously, you can do it again at lunch and at dinner and different times, but the morning's so important. And it talks about how, and I'm the world's worst at this. You know, we have everything on our phone, and my phone is right beside me at bed, and the, it's so easy to grab your phone and start looking at emails and texts. Yep. And, even ESPN, see what the scores were last night. And next thing you know, we're off and running and we haven't spent time, particularly as Christians with our Lord and in the uh, time yep. of prayer, the Bible, um, getting ready. And then I love that you brought up affirmations. We're going to talk about mindset for a little while because that's so important. I've actually uh, got a new seminar about this and I'm sharing because I've just recently read another book that we can share with our listeners is Soundtrack. Um, it's a great book by John Acuff, talks about mindset and he talks about affirmations. Uh -huh. and how important that is to have a positive affirmation. And uh, I mentioned in a seminar recently that he says that our, we have one and 10 million miles of zeros of thoughts in our lifetime. So in our lifetime, the number of thoughts we have is one with 10 million miles of zeros behind it. And that's according to research, as much as 80% of those are negative. We're hard on ourselves and we, we're negative. We need to have positive affirmations, particularly as a leader, particularly in sales. But you know what? We could probably go on and say, particularly in every area of our lives, we need to have positive mindset and we need to have Christian mindset to know that God loves us. He's got things in store for us. Even though things have been tough, he's got things in store for us. We can't settle for mediocrity. We need to have that positive mindset. And the morning sets the tone. One of my favorite right. quotes is, the morning is the rudder of the day. So as we go, is based on how that morning goes. That's right. Yeah, there's a book. Um, I keep bringing up all of these books, but there's another one called the uh, the Miracle Morning for Entrepreneurs. It is a great book. Um, I would highly recommend that as well. 
it's an easy read. It's not a, a super long book, but one thing that I have implemented that's been um, beneficial for me with a morning routine is not having my phone next to me and plugging it in across the room. It's still my alarm clock, but I have to physically get up to go uh, to turn off the alarm. And then one of the things that it says is immediately go brush your teeth. Okay. So, uh, and there's all kinds of different things you could do, like drink a glass of water or whatever, but it says, you know, waking up early is hard for five minutes, right? Getting up, don't hit the snooze button, make sure you're physically up, go do something for five minutes and then you're good to go and then start your routine. So that's a little takeaway for, for making sure that we're consistent as well. I love that. Yeah, that's awesome. And just, you know, it's so important that mindset part of who we are because it affects mm -hmm. our every part of our being. And if you, if you have a bad morning, like he talks about getting on the wrong side of the bed, you know, we use that mm -hmm. as, oh, I got up on the wrong side of the bed. And that allows us to be in that negative mindset all day long. And it truly affects us. Yeah, I think most people actually don't fully grasp um, the power that we hold with our thoughts and our words. You know, if they did, they probably wouldn't say so many things that they allow to come out of their mouth or like allow their thoughts just to kind of run wild. And I know my team in particular probably gets sick of hearing me talk about this, but I, I think it's important to always keep it at the center um, of our intentions, if you will, because if you're not intentional about it, then like you said, 80% of our thoughts are naturally negative. Like weeds are the only things that grow naturally in a garden, right? If you want the positive things, you have to create intentional strategies, you know, whether it's affirmations, something that you read, prayer, worship, whatever it is to make sure that you are uh, being intentional about your thoughts and how to redirect them from negative to positive. Because at the end of the day, I believe we are creators and we, we are going to get whatever we're going to get more of whatever we focus on and whatever we focus on gets bigger, whether that's good or bad. So our habits, our routines and our strategies need to be conducive to us staying in the good for longer than we stay in the bad. So I always talk about like, you know, we're going to have things thrown at us. I get that. We're going to have different, you know, unexpected things and, you know, negative things. It's just a matter of how long are you going to live in that moment? So if we talk about things in terms of minutes, you know, one question I'll ask people often is how many minutes are you going to stay here? When are we going to redirect? Because if something goes poorly for you, uh, whether it's in sales or in leadership or in life or, um, you know, in your marriage or with your kids, how many people do you talk to? about the bad things that happened. And then on top of that, how many times do you replay the negative moments in your life? You just have it like on repeat in your mind. How do you redirect from that? Because if you talk to 10 different people about a rude gatekeeper or something, how somebody, you know, did something to you, or they said something a certain way by the 10th person, it's actually more dramatic and a bigger deal than what really happened. Right. And if you continue to replay things in your head too, if you're not intentional about redirecting to uh, one of my strategies is like listing out things that I'm grateful for, because you can't be stressed and grateful at the same time. So you can't feel frustration and gratitude simultaneously. So even if I don't want to, right, like I could be so mad or so frustrated that it's like, okay, I'm going to, I have to, it serves myself and everybody I lead and my family better if I'm disciplined enough 
to have the willpower to turn it off and redirect to things that I'm grateful for or that are going well. Bare minimum, redirecting to the things I can control. So are you going to talk to 15 different people about uncontrollable things, which actually most of the time equate excuses, right? In sales and in leadership, if we're talking about, well, this happened or this isn't working or this is blah, 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 blah. If it's not a controllable, then most of the time it's an excuse. I'm sure there are some one-offs, right? But we have to look at things, you know, we have one life to live and our most valuable resources are our time, our money and our attention, right? So they, and they all work together beautifully, right? Wherever you spend your time is usually tied to your money. And then wherever you're giving your attention or your focus, um, that's, that's also working together with your, with your money and your time. So every minute that you spend on the bad is taking away from time that you could be creating the life and the results that you want. So I'm not saying we don't address the bad things. We address them head on. We have to do that, especially in leadership. But the key is to not live in those moments for very long and find ways to redirect. I love it. Just tons of nuggets here, Ashley. This is awesome. I appreciate it. A couple of things. One, um, you talked about saying things over and over again and how that gets in your mindset. Um, some of the books I'm reading talk about that. And one of the things that John brought up in his book was that there's not an opposite word of trauma. We see trauma as negative, so negative. There's not a positive word that matches that. And our brain actually understands that more than we can imagine. Um, he says that it's been shown that rejection releases the same endorphins in your brain as a major accident or injury to your body. So you break wow. a leg, certain endorphins are released. That's trauma. Rejection releases those same trauma. Your mind doesn't know the difference. And so imagine, for example, in sales, when you go out and you're going to make 40 approaches, what we call it today, mm -hmm. and you get rejected for the first 39 times, your mindset, if you're not very careful, is going to be extremely negative. It just mm -hmm. you've got to stay positive. And, and you mentioned that if you keep saying it over and over again or thinking it, your mind wants to believe what it previously thought. So if this yeah. morning you got up and it said, this is going to be a terrible day. Well, then good. After the first two negative things that happened, your brains will say, see, I told you, Ashley, yep. it's going to be a terrible day. And so yep. you really got to be careful with that. And another thing he brought up that I really like is imagine you and I are talking about our business today. We're kind of sharing with each other. What if I said the same things to you about your business that my brain says to me? How would mm -hmm. you feel? You'd be like, wow, Chuck's such a jerk. You wouldn't want to ever <laughs> talk to me again. But that's what we say to ourselves all the time. We would that's never right. say that to each other. I would never say the things that my brain says to me to you and same to you back to me. That's right. When I, when I teach people about how to do positive affirmations, I always you know, walk people through an exercise of get out a sheet of paper and draw a line down the middle of it. On the left side of the page, you know, keep it with you, let's say for a few days or a week and write down all of the things that you say about yourself that you don't want to be true or all of your negative self-talk. Like maybe you, you might say, I'm not a reader, right? Or I'm just not a morning person. I just, I'm not motivated or, or one of my, um, you know, I guess biggest pet peeves is when people say that they're unlucky or like, oh, just my luck. Like yeah. I never win, you know, yeah. <laughs> just, I don't. Why would you say that out loud? Do you want that to be true? Of course not, yes, right? That's right. So write down all the things that you say about yourself that you don't want to be true and then create a positive present tense I statement, like 
positive affirmation about to offset that thing. Because like you said, your brain doesn't know the difference, right? And, it, and essentially it's always trying to prove you right. So you have to trick your brain into whatever it is, you know, whether you want to say, you know, I love to cook for my family. When deep down you're like, ah, oh, I, I wish I enjoyed cooking, right? And so people will ask me, so you lie to yourself? I'm like, I guess you could say that at first <laughs> until it comes to <laughs> until it comes to fruition, because we are creators and our words matter. Yeah. So if you say it with intentionality and with the belief and emotion, you know, I say out loud uh, affirmations every single day. You know, I well, am present. I love that. I always say. I always, I always have time or I always have enough time to get everything done. That's another thing too, right? People always talk about how busy they are. Everybody is busy. So when we say that, or we stress about our time, I'll, I'll ask people, how, how do you talk about your time? What do you say about your time? Do you say like, oh my God, there's just not enough time in the day. Or do you say with intentionality and, and belief that I always have enough time to get everything done. I have everything that it takes. I love that. A couple of things. First of all, when you're talking about the lies we tell ourselves, uh, uh, I have two, I hired two trainers to help me with my running and my, and okay. uh, the first time we talked, I said, I'm not a runner. And boy, they screamed <laughs> bloody murder. They did not like that at all. Just the same thing. They said that everybody right. can be a runner. Quit telling yourself that. That's the first thing you've got to do is quit saying, yep. I'm not a runner. And That's so, right. and, and the part about lying to ourselves, he talked about this in the book and he said, for example, I don't lie to myself and say, I'm a marathon runner right away. What I say is I am taking the steps towards being a marathon runner. Right. You know, so you don't have to necessarily lie. You can frame it in the sense of, hey, I am somebody that's in a positive mindset. I'm working towards being a marathon runner. And then you can say later, I'm a marathon runner. And if you don't mind, I actually type these up. It's ironic that we're talking about this. It has to be a God thing. I literally just typed up my soundtracks or my affirmations. Okay. And here's what they are. Love it. One. I have the favor of God. Two, I am more than a conqueror through him who gives me strength. And three, the great I am reminds me, I am an overcomer and I hang on to his promises. To me, that was some great affirmations that are not just based yeah. on me, but they reach toward God and the fact of who I am through him. And so I think yeah. it's very important that we have some affirmations, put them on your mirror so that when you do that morning routine, one of the first mm -hmm. things you see, do is see and he says, read out loud your affirmations. Yep. Well, and that's, um, I love that you mentioned that because I have, as of probably the last 18 months or so, added in with my affirmations um, because I've looked at, am I being too self-sufficient, right? So I've added with God, I am present. I also say, um, I'm guided by the Holy Spirit. My work makes a difference. I'm a light for those around me. I always find ways to positively impact the people around me. Um, and I also, I do affirmations with my kids. So they say out loud uh, in the mornings, you know, I am loved, I am blessed, I am favored. And awesome. I, I even throw in some things like I'm a good listener, you know, <laughs> stuff like that too. I love that. This uh, um, is just chock full of things. You know, normally I try to give people at least three things they can do. Uh, this list is going to be about 30 things. <laughs> um, but before we move on, I want to make sure we go back to something I love as well that you said. You call them big, scary goals. I call yep. them big, hairy, audacious goals, BHAGs, but they're essentially the same thing. So tell That's me a little right. more about your thoughts on what that is. What does that mean? I believe that if your goals don't scare you, they're not big enough. 
Great. Um, and if you can uh, do it without stretching yourself um, inside your comfort zone, you're not growing. You're also not relying on God too. So another great book is Chase the Lion. Yes. So yes. Um, that just it really just talks about having God-sized dreams. In that book, that's something they refer to as God-sized dreams. Yep. So it, I think oftentimes people just play it safe. And I, I, what's what I find or I see often is the longer somebody is in um, in business, or maybe they've seen so many different quarters and years and increases, and you know that they sometimes can complacency can set in. I don't know. Maybe it's renewal income or whatever it might be. Not always the case. But there's something to be said about thinking like a rookie and, and not knowing what your limits are, because it's, it's very easy to fall into the trap of, oh, I've seen this movie before that won't work. You know, it, and so if you're, if you feel like your goals are safe or you're not scared, or you don't get that feeling in your stomach, when you tell people what your goals are that like, oh gosh, then, then they're not big enough. They're just not big enough. So I I just have always, it makes it more fun too, right? Like, what are we accomplishing? If it's just like the, yeah, I mean, I just was mediocre. I just did what I always do. And it's like Groundhog's Day. Like we've got to go run for some stuff, right? And then celebrate and be so excited. Like, can you believe we did that? And and like, you could look back and say, remember that time? So I've had t-shirts made for my team. Is it remember that time? And remember, if you look back on things with certainty and faith, right. That like, this is, it's done. I'm speaking it not for victory, but from victory that like, this is done. We're, we're a $40 million market, like done. Right. And then it's like looking back, like it already happened. Like, Hey, remember that time that we went through the largest pandemic in over a hundred years and everybody had to work virtually and we rallied and we were able to accomplish X, Y, and Z. Like that's what makes it worth doing. Not the mediocre stuff, just to check a box. Like who's here for that? I love that. I love you talk about, you know, go to your spouse and tell them your goal. And if they mm-hmm. say, okay, yeah, then it's not big enough. You know, right. you want your, you want your own spouse to kind of laugh at you. You know, and right. I'm coming, I'm kind of envisioning a district coming to you at the end mm-hmm. of this year that maybe does 800,000 or a million this year and comes to you mm-hmm. and says, Ashley, next year I'm doing 2 million. You know, and as, a, as a leader, you got to think, hey, you know, that's a BHAG goal. That's a, a God-driven yep. goal. You know, you need to help them work towards that goal because that's not easy to do. It's getting out of your comfort zone. That's right. Yeah, I love that. I love the getting out of your, no, as we've seen a million times, no change happens inside your comfort zone. That's right. Yeah, and so I, I'm a true believer in these in these God-sized dreams. I love how you put that. You know, we just have to um, look at things that are going to push us to do beyond what we ever thought was possible. And whether that's be with our business, sales, whatever business you're in, personally, whether it be in your relationships, what is it that you can strive for that would make you um, truly believe in your power through God, like you said. That's right. God doesn't give us goals that we can do on our own. That's not the right. way you got to look at it. He's not going exactly. to give us a goal that we can do by ourselves. He's going to ha- make us have to rely on him. So why do we set such small goals on our own as well? Yep. And I, I've been in, I can't even tell you how many scenarios where we've had big, scary goals and, and people are like, it's going to take a miracle. And I'm like, perfect. <laughs> <Yeah>. Like <laughs> that is fantastic. We're on the right track then. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And it's funny when, you know, those are something that are very enumerated. For example, mm -hmm. maybe push-ups. You know, I'm going to get to where I can do 100 push-ups without stopping. Oh, I, you know, that's either you can do it or you can't. You know, right. we need to have those kind of goals. And in our business, it's pretty easy to have a number, number of new accounts, number of that's dollar right. sales. You know, but in some areas, it's not as easy. You know, mm -hmm. I've had a, a, a good pastor friend of mine on here, Eric Reed. And one of the ones we did was about spiritual goals. And is it okay to even have spiritual goals? And then what kind of goals can we set spiritually? So, you know, I, we, we definitely, this has been chock full. It's obvious I'm gonna have to have you back um, for another episode because you, I'm sure you got tons of share. Um, before I forget, for those that are maybe your first time listeners, you're on to hear Ashley speak. Hopefully there's a lot of those. We do have a Facebook group, a Grit to Greatness post, uh, Facebook group. We'd love to have you join us there. Um, where you get to share information, share ideas. I'll be sharing things on a regular basis about leadership and sales and all different things in our Facebook group. We'd love to have you join us. But this has been a tremendous episode. I really am excited about this, Ashley. Um, it's going to take me a while to type up the notes um, for the podcast because it's going to be chock full. It's really some great stuff. Well, thank you for having me. It was an honor. So I always like to end on a Bible verse. And uh, I wanted to give you the opportunity to share a Bible verse that's been on your heart and what it means to you. Yeah. So um, I have to talk about another book. So <laughs> I'm listening. I'm listening to um, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which is a fantastic book. It, it actually was recommended by my pastor when they were teaching about Sabbath right? And taking rest and which is, you know, we live in a society of hurry, 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 always having to be entertained. We're full of distractions. Our like, you know, our attention span now is eight seconds, which a goldfish, by the way, has a nine second attention span. So that's uh, our reality right now. So we're standing in line for a cup of coffee. We're going to pull out our phones. Nobody's about to just not be entertained at any second, which is dangerous Preach. Preach. for our spiritual life. Okay. Yes. Uh, in the book, he says, if Satan can't make you sin, he'll make you busy and that we live in a world of busyness. So one of the verses that's been on my heart is Matthew six thirty three, where it says, seek first the kingdom of God and live righteously and he'll give you everything you need. And so we fall into this trap oftentimes, especially in a business where, hey, you get out of it what you put into it. We preach that all the time. You get out what you put into it. Uh, but the reality is we can we don't have to be so self-sufficient. That if we seek first the kingdom of God and live righteously, that he'll give us everything that we need. So that's something that I've just been really been praying and meditating over. Awesome. Yeah, what a great verse and what a great thought. That's awesome. I love that. You know, we, we really need to make sure we spend time um, with him. And you're so right. I'm the world's worst at that, being busy. And like you said, if I'm sitting still for more than five seconds, I'm pulling out my phone to yeah. ESPN or check email or something to that effect. And you're exactly right. We need to spend quiet time with them. I just saw a thing on Facebook that I loved. It was hilarious. It said, does anybody else have ADHD prayer where it's like you're starting to pray and you get on to something else and you come back. Oh, I'm sorry, Lord. Where was I? Yeah. Uh, I think unfortunately we're like that a lot. So uh, that's, that's great, exactly right. We all are. Yeah. Yeah. Great Bible verse. I appreciate it. Again, thanks for being on um, listeners. We appreciate Ashley being on today. We're definitely going to have her on again. And look forward to having you back, listeners, for next week. Psalm 19:14 tells us, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Until next time, loyal Grit to Greatness listeners.
Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Grit to Greatness. We sure do appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get great updates as new episodes become available. If you feel so inclined, please leave us a review. We sure do appreciate it. Signing off from the Grit to Great podcast studio. We'll talk to you next time.